Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you happy to be back in church this morning? Amen. God bless you as we turn to the book of Luke, the 8th chapter. 
from the fourth verse, Luke, the eighth chapter, the fourth verse, we'll read verse four, five, six, seven, eight, and quickly jump to verse 15. Raised in this manner, if it has been found. And when much people were gathered together, and we come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And the other fell on good ground and sprang up and bear fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath an ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 15, But that that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having had the weight, keep it and bring forth the fruit with patience. As we bow our heads, gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we are reporting for duty. And Lord, we appreciate your goodness and your mercy how you have seen us through last week. And we believe that the same grace that carried us from last week will carry us into next week. And will carry us into next month and even next year. Lord, we are told by saints that we have now entered what they deem to be a third wave. We see the numbers are saging. Lord, we see lives are being lost. But as they speak about the third wave, I'm thinking of the third pole. Because you said there shall be a ministry in the end time that will speak things into existence. I believe, dear God, the scripture, when it says, when an enemy cometh like a flood, God will raise a standard. May you raise a standard, dear God, in our families, in our lives, 
wherever we may be, raise the standard to show that you are protecting us, Heavenly Father. If there is an invisible enemy, there is an invisible God who sees everything that happens, even though it may be hidden to the naked eye. I pray for these men and women, their families and their relatives. Dear God, you know how much they depend on your grace, especially in these trying times. Until when even an unbeliever would say, when I wake up, I realize today it is by the grace of God. How much more about believers when they wake up? We first begin by saying, thank you, Lord, for another day. Because, Lord, we realize it is not in our intellect, in our efforts, in our means. It is within the range of your grace. I pray for them, dear God, as we will be looking at the weight. May you be gracious this morning that as we break the weight, may it bring a desired impact. And that as you speak to them, speak to me as well. As you mold them, mold me as well. Whatever you do, don't exclude me. And Lord, I know, but when we come to the end of the service, all of us will say, surely the Lord has spoken to our hearts. Because this service has been surrendered to you. And I'm glad our brother prayed a prayer and said, we dethrone every spirit this morning. I just want to re-emphasize on those words. We re-dethrone every spirit this morning and declare this area a no-fly zone for demons. All these things we ask them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. Brother Tom, maybe if we remove this sticks, give me another sound. Amen. I understand the new Lewis are back in church, Brother Mtimuni and Sister Katlo. You may just stand to your feet and we give you a round of applause. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. May God be there for you and undertake for you. Amen. Now, this morning, I don't know, I was speaking, my daughter asked me a question. I don't know what triggered that. She asked, do I have any idea of how long I'm going to take preaching? Uh, amen. Then I said, I've got no idea, but God has got an idea. Amen. So we appreciate the Lord for everything. I just want to take a couple of minutes to speak on a spiritual erosion. Amen. I want to speak on a spiritual erosion. And those that have done geography, the weight erosion, would remind them whenever they speak about soil erosion. Um, and then maybe an explanation for the erosion, they will say it is the process by which something is diminished or destroyed by degrees. 
a reduction in the size, extent, or importance of something. Amen. Now, when we speak about erosion, uh, within geography they would say it's a, it's, a, it's a shift of the soil, uh, either caused by the wind or by the running of water until the soil loses its gravitational uh, ability. Amen. And later on they may say that soil is no longer conducive for, for farming because of soil erosion. Now, so therefore the effects of soil erosion leads to what they call a loss of a fertile ground. Amen. Now, I looked into what the farmers normally would do to uh, arrest soil erosion, and I was told that the best way to, to, to stop it or reduce the impact thereof is to plant trees and plant grass because the, the roots of the grass and as well as the roots of the trees would uh, make sure that the soil is knitted together. Uh, are you with me this morning? So I'm just giving an example for don't forget, I said erosion, it is a, it is a process by which something is diminished or destroyed by small degrees, a reduction in the size or extent or importance of something. Amen. And then I mentioned that the effects of soil erosion leads to a loss of fertile land. Now the prophet comes in the message fellowship. He says, the weight is a seed. But the seed won't grow unless it's placed in the right kind of ground. Uh, did you hear? But sometimes the weight could be the weight, unadulterated. But uh, furthermore, it depends what type of ground is this seed going to be planted in. If it is the right seed, it will grow. If it is the right ground, it will grow. But if it is the wrong ground, it won't grow. Are you, are you still with me? That is why Jesus, in the text that we read, he says, but the good ground are those people which in honest and good heart, having had the weight, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So this morning, our desire is that we should be a good ground where the word of God, which is the seed, will be planted in, and it will grow. And in other grounds, it does not grow because there is lack of moisture. And now, Brother Branham say you've got to have the ground, you've got to have the seed, and you've got to have water to water the seed. Now, in the message, uh, the spoken word is the original seed. Then he comes, he says, the water is the spirit. And it says the seed is the weight, and you are the ground. Now the spirit must water uh, the weight in order for the weight to grow. Are you, are you still with me? 
Because in the absence, the weight without the spirit, that's where Paul says, the letter killeth. Hallelujah. Now, when we speak about erosion, I think when you look around the world, uh, you go into certain nations, even including even our nations, they speak about a moral erosion or erosion of moral values. Have you heard of that? And later, the South African government came up with a, a forum that they called Moral Regeneration, and they had Moral Regeneration Program. But you can never have a moral regeneration without having the restoration of the weight. Morality is not a government program. It is, uh, it is nature taking its course. And a person cannot return to nature unless they are restored by the word of God. Are you still with me? And, and I think the reason they saw a need for a moral regeneration is because they see the moral decay that is there in the end time. The, 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 is morally, the immorality that is, that is being seen is quite rampant in the end time. But I'm not on that. I'm not on morality. Now, uh, erosion can be, it's, in most cases, it is subtle. A ground, even on soil erosion, the ground doesn't just collapse. It is a gradual process where uh, it's wiped. Maybe the wind will blow off the upper surface of the soil. Later on, the water will wash it away. It's a gradual process. It can take months. It can take years. But the end result is that that soil somewhat is going to be compromised in terms of quality. So erosion is a gradual process. Are you still with me? Now, what makes the erosion difficult to stop is because of four reasons. Uh, one is that it is always silent. There is not much noise when there is erosion. What, what do we mean? A business, those that are business inclined in the building, a business doesn't just collapse. Over a period of time, there will be certain things that happen within business and ultimately that will lead to an overall collapse of the business. Are you with me? Uh, we, the other time I think I went into, uh, there used to be an OK next to Brazen Head, and it looked busy, and later on it was closed. Then I asked, why is it closed? Then uh, the manager told me that there is what they call shrinkage. A shrinkage is when employees come, and from to a time when they knock off, they knock off with milk, with cornflakes. And over a period of time, that shrinkage, when you count it over a period of a year, is quite a lot of money. Then it started hitting their books, and in no time, the business collapsed. It, it did not happen. The erosion did not happen instantly. It was a process. Marriage doesn't collapse overnight. It's a process. A church does not backslide overnight. It's a process. A minister doesn't backslide overnight. It's a process. So that's why we, we want to look at that. I say it is always silent. Hallelujah. It is always slow. It's not rapid. Because when it is very quicker, uh, you may notice. 
And here I'm just going to give an example. Uh, today I'm not into business, but there are some valuable lessons that I would share with you from the business side. In 1995, I want to show the danger. Why the devil hates what we call frontal attack. Frontal attack is when the enemy comes and attacks you directly. Uh, uh, when you attack the enemy directly, uh, it, it, it's the most dangerous thing that you can do. But when you attack the enemy in a subtle way, in no time you win. I'm giving an example. In 1995, um, a Pepsi Cola or a Pepsi company came to South Africa and it launched in South Africa. They were the first people to launch what they call uh, 1.25. And during that time, the Coca-Cola company was only dealing with one liters, and Coke and Pepsi came with 1.25. You remember there was a time when Mountain Dew, Miranda, they became popular, 7-Up, because people were getting more for the same price. And all of a sudden, people began to shift from Coke and went to Pepsi, uh, to Pepsi company. Now, what happened, there's something that the marketing director of, or I think it was the general manager of Coca-Cola company in 1995, she's, he said, he said, we want to welcome Co uh, Pepsi for their short stay in the country. Now, stay with the story. For their short stay in the country. And indeed, it was a short stay in the country. Because what happened, uh, Coca-Cola went to consult Consul is a glass manufacturer. Then they ask Consul, what is your production capacity? How much glass can you produce a week? How much glass can you produce a month? How much glass can you produce a year? Then they bought the production capacity of Consul for five years. Now, Pepsi was loved by people, but now they did not have a bottle to package Pepsi. <laughs> and indeed... In no time, Pepsi left the country. It left the country in 1984. It left the country in 1995. But somewhat, well, this giant, I mean, it's a Pepsi Cola. In terms of uh, the size, Pepsi is bigger than Coca-Cola. When you look at it in totality, not only beverage. I'm not on business. There's somewhere where I'm going. Now, then you had Kingsley that came, you know Kingsley. It never launched a frontal attack. It moved into the location quietly. And Coke was not aware. By the time the Coke system woke up, they had already lost a 20% market share to Kingsley. Today, Coke cannot do anything to Kingsley. Because Kingsley was clever, they did not poke their finger in the giant. They move in a subtle manner. Now, the same way that they work, or how I explain how Kingsley work, is how the devil works. The devil will not come to you and launch a frontal attack. He will come and begin to remove certain things that are critical in your life, even if it takes him 20 years, but if he removes one a year, that's good enough for him. Are you here, Church of the Living God? 
Because if he launches a frontal attack, it's going to be apparent. The pastor will know, the deacons will know, believers will know. Then all of a sudden we rally around you, pray for you, and provide counseling. And in no time you overcome. But when it becomes, when it comes in a silent and slow and subtle and secretive way, you will not realize it. You will realize it long after you realize that the enemy has long ambushed you. Does it make sense, folks? I hope, I hope we are together. Now, I've already mentioned the other two. There's a bit of noise here. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's something here. The volume is fine, but I don't know whether it's the drums giving me a feedback here. Amen. Now, I said the erosion, it is always silent. It is slow. It is subtle. It is secretive. Are you with me? Let's jump into this quotation, humble thyself. Paragraph 35. The prophet says, thank you so much, Brother Fanny. The prophet says, paragraph 95, above everything, Love God and love one another. Above, above, uh, ab- above. This is above everything. L- love, even within the message community, is becoming a very scarce resource. And what makes it scarce is because we became clannish. What made it scarce is because. We will allow the things to divide us instead of the weight uniting us. But the prophet says, I think he speaks like the old John here, above everything, love God and love one another. And be humble with God and around one another. And God will bless us. It's hard telling what he will do. He will, that means he will do uh, paradoxical things in our midst. But he, now he, he throws a word of warning. Usually, when a church begins to get in numbers and get it to getting a little bigger or something like that, then they get away from that real thing. The real thing. Now, do you agree? Sometimes when the church there, when we are still very small, we have each other's back. We, 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 we check on each other. We pray for each other. Uh, we've got prayer requests for each other. But as the church begins to grow in number, it seems like it loses a sense of community. There's beginning to be a lot of individualism instead of a community spirit within the believers. I'm preaching here, Lighthouse, and you are, you are not immune from that thing. When the church had no instrument, it sang better. Everybody was vocal. But the moment you begin to afford a piano, a drum, a bass guitar, then we become an audience instead of a participant in the worshiping process. Hallelujah. 
A church with a tambourine alone sings much better than a church with a band. Because why? The moment we get bigger, uh, then we begin to move away from the real thing. It doesn't only go for the laity, it goes for the pastor as well. The pastor, when the church is smaller, he checks on them, he does things, but as it gets bigger, he gets bigger. Not only bigger, but it becomes big-headed. You know, I was listening to an 85-year-old man advising young men in the ministry, and he said there is a difference between, uh, there is a difference between being effective and being successful. And he said, in ministry, don't want to be successful, but be effective. Yes. Hallelujah. He said, you can be successful without being effective. And you can be effective without looking successful. Are you still with me? Because effective, then he said, when you speak about success, you speak about numbers. You speak about the audio, audiovisual system, the aircon system, all those things. But it says when you speak about effectiveness, you speak about impact. Yeah. Uh, I hope we are together there. Now, in the message, hear ye him, paragraph 39. The prophet says, the world is looking for something today. When your little wife told you she would be your sweetheart and wife, she was looking for somebody to love, to love her. And when you promised your husband, he was looking for somebody when he comes in tired and weary from waking all day, some little wife to put her arms, excuse me, around him and kind of kind of kind of brush his back and tell him how much she loved him that's what causes separation in families is the neglect of is the neglect of amen that's what causes separation in churches is the neglect of that's we've got to have love. friends, we've got to have love. and that's why I say this is this is one one critical ingredient that is being eroded over a period of time. In a sense, you know, in the early days in the message, we used to believe that my brother is my brother. My sister is my sister. Their experience is my experience. But over, you know, if, if my son could do something which is bad, you would never find me telling anybody that visits me about my son. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, you, you become protective of your children, isn't so? Is it normal, folks? Sisters, are you with me? If your, if your mother-in-law can really assault you, you, you will go to town. The police station will know. You'll write an article. You'll, you'll go. Your story will go viral. The mother-in-law from hell. But if your mother assaults you, no one will know about it. It becomes a family matter. Why? It's because between your mother and yourself, there is a bond. 
And that bond is love. Between your mother-in-law and your, yourself, uh, we are uncertain about that. Amen. I hope, that, does it make sense? Yeah. Now, in the early stages, when, if a brother fell from grace, it was not something that we were excited about. We shared in his shame. Or we shared in her shame. Because this is our brother. Are you still with me? And we are going to do whatever it takes to restore him back. If it needs us to visit him, we will do that. If it needs us to have an all-night prayer, all prayer for him, we will do that. If it requires us to offer counseling, we will do that. Every resource will be made available to restore our brother. But in the process of time, when one falls, it glorifies the other. Are you with me? Even within the ministry, oh, he fell and he becomes a sermon for the day. Let me, let me, let me provoke you unto good works. I was listening to the other time there was a, a big issue in America where one of the leading pastors of a mega church was rumored or was confirmed, is now late, that he was involved in homosexuality with young boys. When the story broke out in the media, this was a senior minister that was close to the likes of T.D. Jakes. I remember T.D. Jakes making a statement to his church. He said, we have heard reports about our brother. We, up to now, the reports are not confirmed. We don't know what is going on. But one thing that we know is that we will pray for our brother. One thing that we know as the body of Christ, we will condemn the sin while saving a sinner. Folks, this is T.D. Jakes. Never followed the pillar of fire. Hallelujah. No revelation of the hour. But he's got a better sense than some people that claim to have taken a photo with a pillar of fire. Uh, does it make sense, folks? Um, remember, we, we have to go back to Christian values. That, that's what I want to provoke unto going back to Christian values. Because a lot of people are under the umbrella of the message, but they are not Christians. Not all Israel is Israel. There's been a gross misrepresentation of the message by the very people that claim to be in the message. And that's why we have to, we have to show the church what is the standard. The standard, I'm saying, a Christian standard. I hope we are together. Now, where are we? I'm going to go into some of the reasons that cause a compromise or that cause spiritual erosion. If they are in rates, it's the reasons as we move along. Compromise and becoming more entangled with the world. This is one of the causes of spiritual erosion. We said the reduction of something important by small degrees over a period of time. 
compromise. Have you realized that the word compromise is a fashionable word in the end time? Politicians use them. Let's reach a compromise. Business people reach it. Let's use a compromise. But within Christianity, it must be a taboo. Uh, are you with me? Now, the word compromise, it means accepting a lower moral standard to live by that lessens or deadens your spiritual effectiveness. So that means you, you, you have to remember, remember, you never lower who you are to accommodate what you are not. Uh, hallelujah. Imagine an eagle deciding that, look, I was made to soar in the skies, but because I love the chicken, I'm going to compromise and stay with the chicken. It will live below its God's given privileges. And because it's not living out its nature to the full potential, it is going to be frustrated. Are you still with me? So this one goes especially for young people. Refuse to lower your moral standard to live by that lessens or deadens your spiritual effectiveness. The word weight comes again, spiritual effectiveness. Effectiveness in a sense of having an impact. Are you still with me? I'm still on compromise. Compromise is the cancer of the church. Hallelujah. You, you know, you, you begin, if you compromise on this, you will be forced to compromise on that. And before you know it, everything is just a compromise and compromise. Then it has eroded your spiritual identity over a period of time. Here, let me pause here for a while and really uh, pinch your spiritual conscience. Are there things in your life, in the early stages of your life, that you were vehemently against, but in the process of time, you succumbed to them? I will ask the question again so that you pinch your spiritual conscience. Are there things at the beginning of your Christian journey that you vehemently were against, but in the process of time, you assimilated and acclimatized to them? That's compromise. Compromise is the cancer of the church. While Christians can compromise on their preferences, but they cannot compromise on their principles. There is a difference between a preference and a principle. You must always, you can compromise on a preference, but never compromise on a principle. Because a principle is tied to who you are as a Christian. The moment you compromise on a principle, you are gone. Are you, are you still with me? A principle could be you are an honest man. You are a man that keeps your ways. You are a man that is dedicated to Christian values. Those are your principles. Are you still with me? A preference could be the, how you wear your suit, the car that you drive. Those are your preferences. But when we speak about principles, refuse to be moved from your principles. And you know how a principle works? Even nature's got principles. The law of gravity is a principle. According to gravity, anything that goes up must come down. 
whether it is a rich man or a poor man or a woman or what, if you go up, you must come down. Now, when it comes to you having a principle, you must have certain principles that you adhere to irrespective of where you are, who you are with, irrespective of what comes, what goes. You say, this is my principle. Are you still with me? You can say, your principle is that I don't handle alcohol. Hallelujah. But remember, there's coming a time where a boss in your company will say, come here, we need somebody that can go and buy us black label. Right there, it will depend who you are and how strong your principle is. And if your principle is stronger, you look at the boss in the eye with respect and say, say, I respect you. I enjoy working with you. But according to my faith, I am not allowed to handle that. Are you still with me? That's a principle. It reminds me, in one church, the United States president had visited that church and was sitting in the audience, and the, D, the, the board of the church was aware that the pastor was not aware that the president has paid, had paid a surprise visit. And then... One of them went into the pastor's office and said, Pastor, today when you speak, be very conscious we, we have the President of the United States of America in the audience. Then, obviously, they wanted him to be cultured, to, to observe the protocol. And when the man came, he stood behind the pulpit and said, I am told that in the audience there is the President of the United States of America. Mr. President, repent or perish. If you don't repent, there is a hell to go to. If you repent, there is a heaven to go to. And later on, the President went and said, I want to see this pastor. He says, when I speak about a man of conviction, I'm talking about you. The presence of a higher office in the church did not change the sermon. Because this pastor understood who he was accountable to. He was accountable to God, not to the President of the United States of America. May we be such Christians. May our children be such Christians. Are you still with me? Now, compromise isn't choosing other gods to worship instead of Jesus. A lot of people think a compromise is when you reject, uh, you choose other gods and reject Jesus. That's not how it is. A compromise is trying to include other gods while you are still worshiping Jesus. Ah, uh, this one let me pause here. Spiritual compromise is in choosing other faiths while you are still in the message of the hour. It is including other faiths while you claim to be in the message. Uh, are you still with me? And my question would be, uh, are there gods that you are saving while saving the God that you claim to be saving. And Brother Branham has told us, you know, we thank God that this prophet really came and really defined things so clear to us. He says, anything that you elevate above God becomes your God. 
Are you beginning to see gods in the message of the hour? Men of God are more important than the God that they preach about. Hallelujah. Churches are being elevated above God. Hallelujah. Wives are being elevated above God. Husbands are being elevated above. We are beginning to see an elevation of a lot of things above God. And anything that you elevate above God becomes your God. But this morning, by grace, let's reject any other God and say there is only one God that must be worshipped. And when we worship him, we don't need another accessory as God to worship that God. We go to him by faith. You can have ancestral spirit and entertain it while you are worshiping God. You can secretly visit a sangoma while you are wearing a long skirt on Sunday. Hallelujah. Why? You have reached an an arena called compromise. In your worship of God, you have included other gods. Uh, Are you with me? Now, still on compromise, many Christians still attend church long after their faith is gone. Because we are creatures of habit. You, you, you don't, the day you backslide is not the day you really backslide. A backsliding, backsliding takes, it's a process. When it becomes visible, it may have taken five years, ten years, fifteen years. We don't know how long, but it has been there. It was a gradual process. Oh, brother, did you come to church? Yes, I was in church. Did I pay my tithes? Yes, I paid my tithe. But because you are a creature of habit. There's a sinking, folks. Another cause of spiritual erosion, diminished zeal, a diminished enthusiasm for the things of God. Yes, in life there will be the ups and there will be the downs. But if the downs are more prolonged, then you need to be worried. Yes, there will be there will be time where you are not as zealous as you used to be, because circumstances change. Maybe a death of a loved one can just make you go into a tailspin where you lose a sense of orientation. Maybe a sickness could strike you and you feel discouraged. Then that can diminish your zeal. But you must never allow that to remain for a prolonged period of time. Your zeal has got to be restored at some point in time. Does it make sense? Let's look at what the zeal is. You remember the zeal? After we we baptized you, you really thought the rapture is coming. You even were very, uh, very audacious in your speech that, hey, brethren, if a five is going, me, I'm in that five. You remember those statements? Then over a period of time, you begin to wonder if 100 makes it, will I make it? Because over the period of time, you lost a zeal for the things of God. A zeal, a spoken word used to ignite a spike, a spark in you, 
but today you hold it, it looks like an old novel that has reached its cell by date. Today you look at the Bible, you cannot, you cannot endure reading more than five verses alone. It's, brother, at the beginning there was a time where you said, I want to start from Genesis and finish at Revelation. Oh, brother, I'm busy with the seven churches. I'm moving to the seals. Brother, I'm busy with token. And now I'm moving to Christ as the mystery of God. Oh, brother, I'm busy with souls in prison. And whenever the believers came together, the first thing is that, brother, what book are you busy with? I am busy with this. But over the process of time, I see the zeal has diminished. Until a brother and a brother can meet together and speak for a long period of time and walk away and never having touched what they are reading about. <sighs> Diminished zeal. In the message, I'm still on diminished zeal. In the message, spiritual adoption, paragraph 92. The prophet says, I would rather be just a little overzealous about the Father's kingdom than not to have no zeal at all for it. I would rather overwork. And as the Church of Christ, a preacher told me some time ago, Mr. Brenham, I would rather wear out than rust out. Believers today are not worn out, they are rusting. That is a lot, that is a lot of truth. I would rather wear out and die in the high harness, as Brother Neville said, than to refuse to have the highness on. You can't do nothing any worse than to neglect to try. Let us all do all we can with what you have to do with. And the Holy Spirit, our tutor, will bring it to the Father. What is happening, what, what takes away the zeal is always when you're given an excuse. You know, when we speak about a zeal, this, and I'm going to get into another thing where you give excuses. Uh, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of this. Have you found a student who would use their background to justify for poor marks? But while you find that there is a student that is studying in a shack with no electricity that moves out of that shack with straight A's. What is the difference? One is zealous, the other one has diminished his zeal. We are still on the zeal testimony. He is in prayer here, the prophet. He says, I want to say that I'm very happy. I want to start this tonight that he's praying for somebody, that this elderly man, this elderly man, who's 80-something, 80-some-odd years old, about 84 years old. He isn't able to work no more. He has saved his time. 
And if he has the enthusiasm to scatter the message of Jesus Christ, I want to help him do it. God bless you, my brother. May God bless each one as you come. The brother Bram is praying for an 84-year-old man who cannot work anymore, but he says the man has got the zeal to scatter the message of the hour. Do you see it? How many, how old? 80? But today, the 40-something cannot do it. In the message, The Way of a True Prophet, paragraph 10, he says, down at the tabernacle at home, there is a little old couple by the name of Kit comes down there from Ohio. Now they are both in well in their 85 or 88. And they are so old until they can't go into churches much more. They haven't got enough voice. But you know what they do? About every tape, this little old woman saved her money, saved her money and bought a tape recorder. And so she gets a tape. I send her tapes and she will take this tape and she will go to the hospitals. Everywhere that she can put this tape recorder, her and her little old husband playing them tapes. At what age? 88. Maybe somebody said, uh, this was in 1963. I was amazed. Brother Philip comes to me and says, Brother I've got a list of requests from the library, for the library, for Sister Maria. You know our dear Sister Maria. She had a back uh, operation, and she's now in Pretoria, being taken care of by her daughter. But right there, and I said, what, what does she need this material for? She says, no, she has identified a few people where she stay, where she wants to give them the books. Hallelujah. I went to the library, I collected the material, gave it to Brother Philip. He says, she is prepared to pay for them. I said, we are prepared not to accept money for them. <laughs> Such a zeal. She's 83. Yeah. But look at the library. I can ask you that are agile, active. When was the last time you popped into the library and got a material not for you, not for your children, but for your neighbor? I'm reading quotations, folks. This old lady bought a tape recorder, went to the hospital, identified a ward, played a tape recorder, tape, and was accompanied by his or her husband, both 88. But today, the zeal of young men has diminished. The zeal of young women has diminished. The zeal of middle-aged people has diminished. All we are interested in is the politics of the day. What happened in that church? What's happening in that believer? I, I have a, a very low threshold for a person that rejoices in the downfall of the people. The, I can't stomach it. If you are with me and you're 
you somewhat discredit people you are not going to go far. I can, I can. That spirit, I hate it, even at pastoral level. I told you of an incident where I was in, I think, sometime around the coast, and one minister just in the meeting said, Brother Ed Biskel has got a casino in China. I said, have you got the papers? Have you spoken to Brother Biskel about this? Who confirmed you for you to think it's warranted to be distributed like this? He didn't have. Then I said, before we go for the second service, you have to repent for lying. And it was a very tense meeting. But you know why? It's because, as I said last week, message believers, we are not honest. We rather smile and later on say he was lying. We need to tell him right there that, brother, you are lying. And condemn the spirit because what he's doing, he wants us next time when brother Ed Biscal is listening, we won't listen because the casino is playing in our mind. And I even say, this does not make a common sense. The man was arrested in China with Brother Donnie Reagan for preaching the message of the hour. How would he own a casino while he's arrested for the gospel? You see, a lying spirit among believers. Believer, be the kind of believer to reject nonsense. Don't, don't compromise it. Tell it it is wrong and reject it right there. Yes, you will be hated, but Christianity is not a popularity contest. Uh, hallelujah. Christianity is not a popularity contest. If you want to be a person that is loved by everybody, you will be, end up being not loved by anyone. Because people will know you are not the man of your weights. You say something else. When you get here, you say something. Be consistent. There's a managing director that I love. I loved at Coke, still keeping in touch. Mlungis Matonzi, he would always say, Bamadiba, whatever, I like a man that can be consistently wrong than a man that can be inconsistently right. He says, the one that is consistently wrong, you've got a better chance that if you get them right, they will always be consistently right. Yeah. It's a principle you can apply it in your personal life. The moment you sense an inconsistency, have zero tolerance for it. Are you with me? Let's come to another reason for spiritual erosion. A lack of interest in studying or reading the Bible. Hey, brother, you can't bluff Satan. You know, there was a movement in the message of the hour that was specializing in the catch phrases within the message without having the substance of the message. You cannot defeat Satan with a catch phrase. You defeat Satan by prayer life that consists of meditation, reading the Bible, and a committed holy life. The devil is not afraid to say, watch the third pool. He will say, the third pool I know. William Branham I know. <laughs> Jesus I know. But who are you? And the demon will strip you naked to shame you. A lack of interest in studying or reading the Bible. 
Isn't it amazing, you old timers, that during the time when going to school was difficult because of lack of money, most of you were going. But during the time when school is free, they are not going. Today you can go through varsity and not pay a cent. Why? Let me bring it, excuse me, to the spiritual side. We had, there was a time where we had real tapes. How many have seen the picture of the real tapes? Like a wheel. Then we moved from that and went to the normal cassette. Now, one, the messages of Brother Brenham, I remember because I had the desire then, all messages of Brother Brenham, for you to own them during that time, I think it must have been around 94, you, at least to the cost of all the cassettes, it was uh, 10,500. And all of them would fill a room. The wall to wall, from the roof to the to, to the bottom. Now, we had the desire. When you got the tape of Brother Bram during that time, you cherished it. How many remember? And later, they became the old ones were not clear, and later they became more clearer. You remember? And even the books were not as readily as available. You, if a brother, you meet him with a book, demonology, you would beg him, brother, can I have that book? And he says, brother, you can have it for a week. When I see you next Sunday, you, I need it back. You'll spend the whole night throughout the week reading because you need to take it back. Taking notes. How many remember that? Now, what used to fill up the room now is now on a memory stick. Now, it's no longer 10,500. Now, it is 70 rents. Now, however, the zeal with which we used to listen to them then, when they were not really available, has diminished. Today, in your car, you can have the entire Voice of God recordings material in your car. But what are we listening to today? Totally different things. Are you with me? Amen. The prophet Elisha, paragraph 1-0, he says in this message, read the Bible when? Read the Bible? el Gadar. Pray. Don't make decisions too harshly or too quickly without first considering God about it. Ask him, shall I do this, Father? Ask him, is it your will for me to do this? Then see what the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He might not give you a vision. But he will speak in some way to you to let you know 
if you will be sincere and ask him. The prophet says we do that how many times? We read the Bible every day. We pray every day. This sounds so fundamental until you realize these things are not being done every day. Message lifting him up out of history. The paragraph is 2-4. He says, home life is so neglected till the Bible is laid back till they would have to hunt for an hour to find one in many homes in Whitbank. <laughs> I we moved from America, we are home. Are you with me? Now, people, I, I use, when I come to the pulpit, I use a, a table, a, a tablet. These things are old-fashioned. You won't say I'm breaking for you. I use a tablet. But uh, I will never come to the pulpit without my traditional Bible. The, 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 yes, I appreciate the conveniency that this offers. But uh, this has got clutter on it. There's many apps. You have to switch off notifications because you are reading. All of a sudden, uh, WhatsApp comes in. But when I am focused on this, there's no pop-up notification. It is just a notification from heaven. Are, are, are you still with me? I hope we are to I'm not I'm not attacking technology, but I'm saying with this you are able to be confined to this alone other than when you use the other one. Yes, I'm using it now, but I've put it on an aeroplane mode. Are you with me? If you can use it and put it on aeroplane mode, fine. But I doubt that you can use it in aeroplane mode for more than two hours and not check WhatsApp. Home life is so neglected till the Bible is, you know, in the families, there used to be what we call a family Bible. Brother Bam says, that, he says, there used to be a time where I would visit a family and I would get to the door and I would hear them pray and I think they would finish and I kept on going and going until I took off my shoes and I knelt down there by the porch and, le- and they will carry on and they would have their old family Bible open. Joe Biden, when he was inaugurated as the president of the U.S., he was given a Bible, they call it the Biden Bible, that had been used in the family for generations. My question, does your family have a Bible? Maybe the question would be, does your family have a time where they come around the table and read the Bible together? If not, you are exposed. Not to the believers, to Satan. I'm saying that to open your eyes so that you close those loopholes. You know, in a family... You don't know me here. Yeah? My wife knows me better than you do. You can claim to know me. You don't know me. 
you only see me on Wednesday and Sunday. But my wife is the one that knows me. And I'm the one that knows her. If I'm not a Christian, she's the first one to know that, ah, that one. Over a person doing it. I can't lie to her. She knows me. And if I cannot convince her that I'm a Christian, I cannot convince God that I'm a Christian. Uh, Are you with me? The message is the first. Paragraph 181. So, so if you neglect to give the Holy Spirit the word of God, you will? If you neglect to give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit feeds on? If you neglect to give the Holy Spirit the word of God, the Holy Spirit won't die. You will die. Spiritually, you you will be awake. You will have choruses, you will have quotations, but you will be dead. But you will know that me, I'm dead. And if you neglect to read the Bible and to believe the Bible and the Holy Spirit to feed upon that, you will die. It's direct, folks. Are you with me? Now, Another thing that causes spiritual erosion, it says not consulting God on major decisions. We, we live during a time of self-sufficiency. We live during a time where we have more confidence in our abilities than in God. Are you with me? And the prophet confirms it. In the message, the prophet Elisha, and I hope, Mutimun, you just made a very big decision. I hope you consulted with God and your wife consulted with God. Those decisions, you have to make sure that God is with you when you make them. The prophet Elisha, paragraph 10, it says, Sometime we go off on a tantrum somewhere and not think about, you know, when the baby throws tantrums, what happens, parents? When a baby throws tantrums, they often would give an impression that they know you better, better than you as a parent. That's what a tantrum is. Sometimes believers will give God a tantrum. Sometimes we go off on a tantrum somewhere and not think about God. Not pray over it. Ask the Lord whether we should do it or not. When we find out that our supply of blessings is cut off, then we wonder sometimes, well, wonder why I can't have no more blessings. You don't watch. You let it down in your prayer life. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's the most sign you should pray more than ever. Read the Bible every day. Pray every day. Don't make decisions too harshly or too quickly without first considering God. It's tied up with the previous quotation that we read. But the Bible, Brother Brown say, watch your prayer life. Before you do something, consult with God. Must I do this? And if God okays it, God will protect it. And if God says no, don't do it. 
And a lot of times I've said it in this church that if you want to know that God is part of something, when you do it, it doesn't create another problem. If you do something, it creates another problem. That means it's not of God. Because God is not a God of half-done jobs. When he does something, it will never stress you. He will do it perfectly the first time, and it will be visible that it's God and God alone. Are you with me, believers? But how many times you do something, you even feel, I've, I've reached a brick wall. But somewhat you, you're looking for the hammer. God will never lead you to the brick hall. God will make a way. Amen. It comes to one other thing that leads to spiritual erosion. Rationalizing sin. I've seen a lot of rationalization in the message of the hour, and I'll explain what rationalization means. To rationalize, it means to attempt to explain or justify a behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate. Have you ever met somebody that is doing something wrong? You try to show them that it is wrong, but they've got a way to rationalize it. Provide reasons that are not appropriate for an action that is inappropriate. Have you seen, have you seen that? Uh, now, the other time, I think, Brother Mpanyan, I think we're still in school, a brother comes to me uh, and asks me, say, um, he, he spoke in Venek and say, Muruti, I'll translate it. I will do a direct translation. Is it allowed for a person to get somebody to mount up on a camel? To me, I'm like, that's a cool ride. <laughs> on a camel. I said to the brother, no problem. So, Brambayan says, no, Ruth, you know, do you know what is camel? Then I say, well, he says, no, it's when you become a lone shark. I say, hey, brother, come back. <laughs> nope, don't get anybody on the camel. And later, uh, another brother comes to me and said, let me not go there. I'll make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but Brother Bram say, if you've got a question about something, if you've got a question about something, folks, are you here? Amen. If you've got a question about something, today you don't leave it alone. You research on it. You convince others that it can be right. Hallelujah. Leave it alone. The first time when rationalization took place before even psychologists could discover it, it was in Genesis 3 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Not surely is rationalization. It, it, it will be death, but it will not be that severe. Uh, hallelujah. 
you, you know, the, even you, you've got some default settings, default language. When you are about to do something irresponsible, you know. Young ones, if you hear a young person say, we live once, just know that what is about to follow <laughs> is dangerous. Uh, you know those languages, ne? But it's rationalization. Yes, you live once, but some live longer because of wise decisions. And living, living once, but living it productively is better than just saying living once and while you do irresponsible stuff. Young ones, the devil is still in the business of saying, he shall not surely die. I've said it last week. I said sometime, even your family, you tell your children, you tell your family that this is how you live. Then there is another auntie from somewhere that would come and want to pollute the minds of your young people. Go and check. I preached the message two years back. I said, Un unholy alliances. I still remember it was Wednesday meeting. Go and check that message. I said, sometime. A relative that could visit you could do so much damage to your children than you would ever think. I don't say don't accept relatives. Let them visit, but check them out. If I was to have a relative that would visit me and criticize how my children are dressing, that relative is on the next exit the next morning. You don't come into my house and insult my faith. I'm not in your house. You are in my house. There are certain principles that apply to my house. I don't care whether you are an aunt. I don't care whether who you are. But there are certain principles once you step into my house, they apply. And you're not going to degrade my principles to my children, even subliminally, so it won't work. Did you hear me? Yes. I can't take it further. Most abused children were abused by relatives. That uncle who's bubbly, when there is a family event, is the first one to pitch a tent to buy a cow. But you look, your child is uncomfortable around this uncle. Because you are a parent that lacks discernment. You are busy giggling. Why are you so snacks to uncle so-and-so? If your child becomes uncomfortable around an adult, watch and look deeper. Something is taking place there. Brother Serpent said, you shall surely... <laughs> I loved, I think it was Pastor Godima. He made me laugh sometime back when he was preaching. That sometimes as a pastor you would come and as a shepherd to say, this is where the sheep must graze. And you identify a place, this is the right food for the sheep. Then it says, Another clever sheep will come wearing a backpack <laughs> with takeaway <laughs> to tell other sheep that, ah, no, this, ah, no, 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 I've got something better. 
it sounded very humorous, but it's profound. A lot of times, pastor's sermons are diluted. You, you say to young people or to somebody, we live this way. Then there's somebody behind the scene that say, it's not a big deal. I've been a young person in the message. My moments where I could have drifted away from the message, it was almost caused by by an elder in the church who was feeding my mind with politics, church politics. And I came to church, all I could see is politics playing themselves out. But in no time, he fell with a woman. That's what saved me. I'm preaching, folks. One day I will be gone, but my sermons will remain with you. You know, I asked myself last Sunday, I said, Lord, now I understand. You know, Brother Bram's heart used to be so broken. And say, why can I stand and be harsh against how women are dressing? I love these people. I want to be accepted. I want to socialize with them. But why am I? But he says it was the Holy Spirit crying out. Last Sunday after I preached, I said, but why can't we just preach nice messages that make people to love us? I mean, some of these people, shoes that I wear, I haven't bought shoes for a long time. The brother will just come with a pair and say, Pastor, this is a shoe. Some of the shoes that I wear, you are buying them for me. You go, get home, you'll find a bit of grocery being dropped off. Why can't such people, when they do good things to you, you can't just come and preach nice sermons? But something said, but if you preach nice sermon and they miss heaven, what good is it? If, if, you, if, if you love them, teach them the truth. Yes, it will be difficult. They will hate you. They will be mad with you. But the beauty about it, one time, somewhere, it will catch up with them. And by grace, one day, you will meet them in heaven. So, uh, it's not, these things, they come at such a huge personal cost. Because we want to conscientize you of the time where we are living. Rationalization. Entering a ministry, I've seen young men claiming to be called while they were not called, and they were just rationalizing. In the message, question and answers, paragraph 2.8, it says, now there is a great trick there that the enemy can play on you. He can make you think you are not called when you are called. Then he turn right back around, make you think you are not cold, or make you think you are cold when you are not cold, or vice versa, either way. You have to wash it. Now, here is the way to do it. Well, now, this is, the, this is advice. One thing I can advise on this is advice. But make sure that your calling comes from God then this applies to all of us. Then check your motives and objectives. You know, when you want to do something, what is the motive? 
If the motive is wrong, but you want to make it sound like the motive is right, then you enter what we call rationalizing. It says, now, you know what I mean by that. What is your motive for preaching? My question this morning is a question that I often ask myself. What is, what is my motive? Why do I come here and preach? What, what is my motive? Aren't there other things better that I could be doing than preaching? There are many, many. But now, there is a motive where a preacher is preaching, but the motive is money. Money is the most dangerous thing. Hallelujah. Money. I said it last week. If you want to be an effective minister, you have to find a way to manage and relate better to money. Money can make you a crook overnight. Hallelujah. Not because you have it. The lack of it can even make you a crook. Are you with me? You know, I listened to that old man, an 85-year-old man speaking to young ministers. And he said to them, in ministry, avoid that money should come into your pocket unless it has been counted by other people. Pastors that behave like Nigerian drug dealers are not going to like this. A pastor doesn't load money in the car. Money is handled by the trustees where they record offering tithes, buildings, not the pastor. I know. Somebody will say, what is he talking about? Brother says, tithes are of the minister. But the same prophet says, I received a salary. From the tabernacle. If the motive is money, you will find that a man is cash hoarding. Car is full of money, envelopes of people, even ask his children to help them open sacrilegious tendencies. Because the focus is not on the weight, it's on money. Till he discusses people's salaries with his wife. Ah, that one who don't seem he gets so much. Trust is it goes for you. If you ever discuss people's earnings with your wife and we discover, you'll be fired. With immediate effect. It's confidentiality. What is your motive for preaching? Do you think it was an easier job than what you have? There's a question. Then you better forget it. It wasn't a call. So a boy fails at school. They pay, he fails. They pay, he fails. Later comes, he says, ah, I've got a colleague. You don't have a colleague. You just need to improve your reading skills and focus more. 
I'm coming to another one. Spiritual erosion. An unhealthy attachment to material things, substituting authentic with synthetic. Synthetic, ne? Synthetic, Sister Maisu would know. Uh, I had a leather uh, sofas, my leather, my leather sofas, I, I bought them before I married my wife in 2003. They are still very good. In the process, we bought chairs. They are gone. Those are authentic. The others that we were getting were synthetic. It's a, it's a le- very in in period very sinclobe get at the club. I mean, I don't need to be worn out or worn out myself. It's synthetic. Here, let me put a disclaimer. We want you guys to succeed. We want the church, you in your individual capacity to to succeed. Did you hear me? We want you to be trailblazers. We want you to be the headline of good performance wherever you are. Do you hear me? When we speak about unhealthy attachment to materials, I'm not here going to preach that poverty equates to spirituality. No, sir. A rich man can be spiritual and holy. While a poor person can be unspiritual and evil. And as well, a poor person can be spiritual and holy. And a a rich man can be unspiritual and evil. It has nothing to do with what you have. It depends on who you are. Um, um, there is a, when, when a church succeeds, that's why we make sure that you go to school and make sure that you, we pray for you. If there is one, if people that are always, I'm in touch with, you'll hear from me almost then, is when you are a brother and you are unemployed, I will follow up. Or even when you are a sister and you are a provider, I will follow up. Because when, when you work, you make it, it becomes a breakthrough of other people. Amen. And if you can give up, that means it will derail a lot of people. That's why when a brother is unemployed, you will, you will hear from me regularly. If you don't hear from me, from me a lot, it means things are good. Amen. Now, Let's come to this. This is our lovely quotation in the message, Revelation, paragraph 15. Now, I want to say this before I start. I wish, it was at the beginning of the year, I wish to each one of you all the most successful and blessful and healthy new year that I can wish to you. God be with you. May you grow both physically spiritually, and financially, and materially, everything that God can bring upon you, I pray that you will do it. Now, the moment you speak about materialism, a lot of people think, now he's going to gun for rich people. No. 
A person can be rich and not be materialistic. And a person can be poor and be materialistic. What do we mean when we speak about materialism? It's when you elevate material above spiritual values. Did you hear me? It's not when you have money or when you don't have. When you elevate. And this goes for us as pastors. I think you have realized in recent time I'm preaching for you and I'm preaching for me so that you is not a bashing session here. And I'll come to, I'll come to. Let, let's, let's get on. Bring the uncertain sound. I'm still on that. This is what I will call a disclaimer. Paragraph 25. And after all, seeing and seeing in medical books that I even have at my home to read, I'm interested in medicine. Certainly am. Anything that can help God's people, help human beings. If it's peace, studying peace terms, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in a better community to live in. This is the prophet, folks. I'm interested in better schools for our children to go to. If you want your children to go to a better school, you are not, it's not, you're not immoral. It's not that you are not spiritual. Your prophet was interested. I'm interested in anything that's good, wholesome, and right. Do we agree here? Now, this quotation, it dislodges legalistic preachers that think that for you to really show that you're a believer, you must suffer. Your suffering equates to wholeness. It doesn't work like that. Bring... This, where I think Pentecostal failed, paragraph 1-4. He wants us to ask and believe that our joys would be full. He wants you to ask abundantly. Ask for big things. Brother, big what? You, you want a house? What are you going to ask after this quotation? Pick one. I don't mean look humble here. You'll ask for a big one. If the, if the manager can come into, I call into your office and say, ah, today, it's after the review, we have agreed that whatever salary that you need, we'll give it to you. Are you going to try to look humble? Hmm? That if you just increase by five friends, I will appreciate. Never. Then why are you doing that before God? And here I need to stress something. It was in another country where the Red Cross had gone. They were distributing soup because there was a war that broke out. Now, these others, they came with a small bowl. When they came with a small bowl, then there was another one that came with a very huge pot. Very huge. Now, these others were wondering in the queue, how? I mean, the big pot was like this drum. They were wondering that we, we, came, with, we came with, and it's being filled to the brim. The Red Cross attendant, 
filled theirs to the brim. Then came the big pot. Now, those that theirs were filled to the brim, they didn't leave the queue. They just stepped aside because they want the moment of truth. When that one came with the big pot, the Red Cross attendant filled it up. Keep on filling it up until it was full to the brim. Then they said, oh, did you really feel it? Then the question was, did I not feel yours? It depends on the container that you came with. Now, here, believers, if you're going to ask little from God, don't be angry with God when he blesses others bigger. Uh, The moment you become jealousy, (laughs) then you, you know jealousy is the final graduation stage before you become a witch. Jealous. And the other, you know, when somebody succeeds and they really succeed and you feel something moving in your heart, put the hand on your head, your heart. Lord, remove the spirit of witchcraft. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Have the ability to genuinely be happy for people when things are working for them. A brother, we have been we have been in the message for a long time. We are quite experienced. A brother bought a car. And later he bought another one. So he came to show the brothers. Then one brother, many years back, then he says, brother, do you know that if you buy, if you, you are a pedestrian, the gate of heaven is wide. When you buy a car, it narrows. The more you buy, it narrows. Then we say, hey, brother, where's this quotation? It was not... It, was, it had nothing to do with holiness. It was the heart of a witch. This guy is under religion. Jealous in the poor brother. Come on. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? A recently graduated young girl buys a car. While we are selling, someone says, but she should have bought a house. How Muloi? I've seen it. Me, I've seen it. I've, me, I'm preaching, folks. I've been in the message for 30 years. I, 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 I've been around. I've observed. I've seen. I can identify a spirit disguising as a concern. And they are there. This is jealousy now speaking. Even pastors can become jealous. When people succeed, all of a sudden, there's someone... We know, we've seen around. Don't limit. Ask for big things. Don't limit your faith to some little mustard seed. Get on out here to some kind of faith and move out 
in big things. Big things is just as easy to receive as little things. The problem is not the giver. The problem is the receiver. You determine what you receive. Now, somebody will say, but you said spiritual uh, uh, attachment, unhealthy attachment to material leads to spiritual erosion. Why does it seem? Because the moment you preach, the other side is a prosperity gospel. No. I don't preach a prosperity gospel. I preach a prosperous gospel. But it will come to that the other time. But let me, let me come and explain to you what I say about an unhealthy attachment. I was showing you it's not wrong to be blessed. It's not wrong to ask from God and God gives you more. It's within the line of the scripture. But in the process, you need to be careful. In the message, Exposition of the Seven Church Age. Brother Abraham says, now, I want this on record here. I'm not speaking against elders in the church. No, say. And that elder can be as poor as any man was even poor or be the richest man in the world as long as he's an elder in heart and deed. I would not hesitate to ordain any man that has the spiritual, real spiritual qualifications as an elder or deacon, regardless of his finances or social standing, social position. Did you hear what the prophet said? When it comes to an elder, when we elect an elder, it has no bearing what that elder has or does not have. I've said it many times in this church. I said, a man on a bicycle can become a deacon in this church if he meets spiritual requirements. Did you hear me? Uh, but, but we have seen. Even I've seen a lot of times, because we live during a time of proselyting, uh, if we are this church and there's another message church, remember we live during a time where a church recruits members from the other church. If they want to come and recruit, they never go for this week, this one that are still trying. No, they, they, they want to look for a fat sheep. That one. Not the frail one. Not the one that is in the ICU. They will never come to the ICU and say, hey, when you live here, come and worship with us. No. They want when things are going right. I would never, even if I was not a pastor, I would never serve in a church that treats me based on what I have. I want to be in a church even if the bank reposes my car on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, I'm in church. My value does not depend on what I have. It depends on who I am. Amen. Do you hear me? Amen. But when you see a social or financial structure come into the church that divides the folks in any way, that is not of God. 
It is another sign of the time in this physically rich but spiritually impoverished Laodicean age in which we are now living. If we ever get to a time where if a person is well-blessed or rich, is being treated better than somebody who is not well-off, we are no longer spiritual. We have allowed class to divide us. Are you, are you still with me? This goes for me as a pastor. I go anywhere where I'm invited. If a brother phones me and says, Pastor, come here. He's in a shack. I go. We sit. We fellowship. We eat whatever. If it's a road runner, we eat road runner. We feel comfortable. Are you with me? But if it ever gets for a time where as a pastor I choose people that are well off, I only go to their houses, I've fallen from grace. Do you hear me? We're still on the same book, brother. The people of God are not material-minded. It does not say the people of God does not have material. They are, you know, when they meet you, Brother Clement, they don't attach a value based on what you have. They are interested to know in Brother Clement. Are you with me? They are Christ-minded. Now, this is nothing against rich people. Because God can save a rich man. Because some people lack balance. Once they see these things, they want to bash rich people. If you bash out rich people, the church, rich people that are honest, they are a blessing to the church. Oh, there are rich people that are not honest. I went to a church sometime back in a, in, in a certain area. They are in a classroom. The classroom does not have electricity. It's a message church. They've got a piano with cables going through the window. They've parked an M class next to the window. Is connected, the piano is connected to the bedroom of the M class. Do you hear me? I, I couldn't reconcile. Couldn't, couldn't they buy a generator? Are you with me? The man that is wealthy, couldn't he decide that but rather than for them to plug a piano on my car, can't we make a play? Are you with me? Yeah, I'm going to be very controversial if it needs be. I will be responsible for it. You can build a message church with five old people that are getting pension and it will be stable and sustainable for many years than you could ever build but what you imagine to be riches. Are you with me? When I, I travel, pastor say in the message we have this weakness where if you travel to a certain place, the lunch will be served at the place of the person that is well off. 
Now I visit him, pastor looks at that and say, hey, if I can have such men in my church, you all go far. You don't know. What you see is not really what it is. That's why when you are a pastor, you must never be controlled by money. Me, the day I'm controlled by money, I'll step down from the pulpit. I will be done. I need to preach my conviction irrespective of who is in the audience. I want my principles to be preserved irrespective of what comes or goes. You hear me? The people, now, this is nothing against rich people because God can save a rich man. Some of God's children are rich. Brother Peregrine was richer in the ministry. Brother Brenham, Brother Brown was richer. They were able to sponsor the meetings. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem we could have had is if Brother Peregrine could have determined what Brother Brenham could preach, there we were going to have a problem. Do you hear me? But money can be such a snare. Not only to those who have it, but to those who don't have it. Not only to those who have it, who, 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 not only to those who have it, but to those who don't have it. Folks, hear me out. When we come to church, and especially if you don't have, you that maybe you're not well off financially, a church environment is not a place where you search people's pockets and guilt trip them that they must pay. Hey, brother, I need 10,000. And the brother says, I don't have, but you, look at, you give me that look like it's the David. A church is not a bank. Are you hearing me? And I like it sometimes, brothers and sisters that, that know church order, they never do things without phoning the pastor. If you borrow money from a brother, the first thing in this church, they will phone me. Pastor, they've got this request, what do you think? If you are resorting, I'm not going to lie to the brother. I'm going to say, don't give him. And if you are free to tell him, I will tell him that you will not give him. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me, brethren? Yes, people can help one another, but there's a lot of times where people take advantage. Are you with me? I don't have money for food. Then the poor brother's thinking, with this last money, let me give this brother for to buy food. Next time, you are checking a kid at King Shaka International Deben. The brother cannot, he that gave you money, he has never been to King Shaka, but he's helping you to, 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 to finance your impulsive desires. Because why? You guilt them. He's a believer. He must do it. And if you have borrowed it, you must bring it back. Oh, I'm preaching here. <laughs> a rich man has got obligations as much as a poor man has got obligations. There's no person that has just got a, a stack of money and he's just looking and saying, I don't know what to do with this. No. 
Are you with me? Because a lack of... A pastor was telling us the other time, it's after church, the church is greeting each other. All of a sudden, there's a brother chasing another brother around the building of the church. Deacons are rushing to stop. All to find that he owes him money has not been paying him. Money can be such a snare. Not to those who have it, even to those who don't have it. And that is why we want Christians with inter- Inter? Even when you cannot pay a man, you go to him and say, Brother, I owe you. Give me time. You don't meet him and just drown him with God bless you. God bless you. No. Be a man of integrity. And we help one another because not all things are perfect. Sometimes we are down, others are up. We help each other. But in helping each other, there must be integrity. Don't take advantage of your, your brother. Don't take advantage of your sister. Be a woman, be a man of integrity. Are you with me? Money can be such a snare. Not only to those who have it, but even to those who don't have it. Money is a snare, even for pastors. <sighs> Folks, I cannot be a pastor of a church and run a pyramid scheme in the church. And say, join if you join and you recruit others, you'll get this man. Being a pastor. No. Any pastor that will run a pyramid in church is big leader. What happens when that pyramid... What happens if I promise you that uh, join, you pay 500, you recruit 10, you're going to get 80,000? What happens if you don't get it? Are you going to sit there in church and say amen? That's why a pastor is not a businessman. Are you still with me? Yes. I hope you hear me. If I ever come to you and recruit you and say, join here, this can, you must just look at me and say, Pastor, on the, is it the 12th? On the 13th of June, 2021, you said if a pastor can run a pyramid scheme in church, he's backslidden. Have you, Pastor Madiba, backslidden? And I will never endorse any pyramid scheme. Whether it's Bitcoin or what, whatever fancy name you give them, never. Are we done there? Let's work working towards closing. Another thing that leads to spiritual erosion, accepting the influence of others who couldn't care less about God. Here, I have to show something.
when we came into the message in the early stages, we trusted each other with our wounds, with our pain, with our vulnerabilities. But over a period of time, because of betrayal, we begin to close up and operate and walk on eggshells because we did not know what information can be used against us. I remember when we came, I was 12 years when I came into the message. We were not ashamed, young people. This to you may sound offish. We were not ashamed to write a prayer request and say, may the church please pray for me. I have a spirit of lust. And it would come and be right in the church. Our brother, he's got a challenge with the spirit of lust. Let's pray for him and we pray. And no one will giggle about it. No one will gossip about it because it was a, an arena or an environment where we, it was a safe space to say, this is who I am, this is my challenge, and believers rallied around you. But today, things have gone haywire because we have been in an environment where people have been gossiped about by things that we struggle about and we wonder, should they know about us? What are they going to say? We've gone to a point where we trust people outside church and people inside church. My uncle, I had an old father, or a grandfather. He passed it this year, 90, 90, he was 90. He was turning 91 on the 21st, somewhere in Jan, 90. I've known this old man for basically all the rest of my life. He has lived for more than almost a century. At no point he was, he was drinking. Even in, in his drunkenness, while I was sitting with him down, and a person passes by, there's never been a time where he said, look at that one. You know what is happening with him? Never. But he was an unbeliever. But today, believers that should be prayerful, that should intercede, are the ones, brother, do you know what is going on? That man, no. My question to you, I'm coming to the end. Are you the kind of believer that can be trusted by people's vulnerabilities? And you keep your mouth shut. Pastors today cannot keep their mouths shut. Deacons cannot keep their mouths shut. If they go home, they debrief over a pillow with their wives. You are killing your wife. You are, because your wife, when you have told her, she's going to tell the children. Then you wonder, ministers' children are behaving wild. It's because they know everything in church. They know of things that people have done even though they have repented from them. But in their mind, they are stuck there. If a brother praises, I don't look at him that way. I know what he has done. He's even going to the friends. In no time, the church is polluted because of lack of confidentiality. There are medical doctors that have got more respect for confidentiality than message pastors. 
I've said it. I have a, a disclaimer. Every person that comes into my office and says, Pastor, I have a problem. Maybe it's a couple. I often ask, Brother, who have you told about this problem before we can discuss it? Oh, brother, Pastor, I've not discussed it with anyone. Sister, who have you discussed this problem with before? You can discuss it. No, I've not discussed with them. I said, The reason I'm asking is that we're gonna, you're going to tell me about what is happening in your space. And I will know it. And you will know I know it. But if you have told other people and it goes around, you're not going to come and blame me. Because you are the one that broke the confidentiality clause. Are you with me? And you, married people that are, you know, with short fuse. As soon as you are upset with your partner, Facebook, WhatsApp, all over. What, what type of a person are you? The, wo- the world that you want to tell doesn't care. They read the giggle and say, look, ah, no, there's problem in saying paradise. You don't do that. Can I get an amen on that? Men are pigs. You are referring to yours. Are you with me, people? Because I was telling another pastor, say, we are living in an era of insanity. Where brother says the time will come where people will be insane. We are right in that era. Amen. And if you are an office bearer, and your husband discusses with you about people's problems, know it, and know it now, he has fallen. Did you hear me? And even you as a sister, you've got a right to say, should we be discussing this? Is it, is it my business to know this? My knowing this, how will it help the people? Learn to ask. Because you will carry a lot of burden and lose the joy of salvation. Accepting the influence of others who couldn't care less about God. First Corinthians fifteen verse thirty three. Be not deceived. Evil communications and amplified will say bad company corrupt good morals. Young people, you hear me? Bad company, corrupt good morals. And the young sisters hear me in the audience. There are some people that are your friends that are ready to sell out to wealthy boyfriends should they get an opportunity. Even if they can help a wealthy boyfriend to drug you, they will do it. 
Because they are looking at you, you're condemning them. They want to prove to people that we, see, Afana, we are the same. Every day they are waking for your downfall. And if mama tells you they are not good and you say, rationalizing, no, but they're good, uh, you know, we study together, you will fall and fall hard. And leave you with a mark that will remain you with you for the rest of your life. Be a discerning young person. See, there is a negative aura about this chap. There is a negative aura around this lady. Therefore, no, 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 no. They cannot be my friend. And how do you know? The moment they make you feel guilty or shameful about your faith, it's time you really give them pecking orders. You say, we are done. We cannot be friends. Sometimes you've got to shock them. Say, you, I won't be your friend anymore. I saw a picture of a tiger busy licking it's an antelope on the neck. And then the caption was saying, the antelope saying, he's not bad like the rest of them. Busy caressing my neck. It's not caressing, it's marinating. <laughs> you will be swallowed up. Ah, he's charming. He's marinating. They say we are creatures of habit. A boy, a wealthy boy that is after a godly girl doesn't give up easily. He creates habits, compliments, good morning messages, good night messages, until you are hooked. And when even you come to church, all the brothers will just look at them and say, shame. Not long they will look at you and say, shame. The influence of another, paragraph 62. I'm going to close, folks. So many today, you take a family of people that will start going to church. And God will heal the little family. He will bless them and give them the Holy Spirit in their life. The children will pray around the table. They will pray before they go to bed. Mother and father will join hands and pray. And as long as they continue like that, they will stay a family. But first thing you know, they didn't have nothing, an old junk car, maybe riding around or maybe walking. Finally, they will get a good car, a better home. The first thing you know then, they want to get to what they call a better class to associate with. They move into a different neighborhood in there and they find out that they become influenced by the wrong influence. Nothing wrong with moving into a nice neighborhood, but check what is influencing you. And how you do know, folks, when you are, I have an old man 
who's my friend doesn't have much of worldly goods. Some of you know him. I love the old man. I'm glad he calls me my friend, his friend, and I call him my friend. His brother Shukuru in Limpopo. Some of you know him. Doesn't have much, but he's a gallant man of God. He's a man of prayer. I've known him, some of how I preach, he trained me to tell me how to conduct myself behind the pulpit. I respect him, respected him as a young lad then. I was doing stand at six. I matriculated. I respected him. I went to tertiary. I respected him. I graduated. I respected him. I had my first job. I respected him. I had my second job. I respected him. I became a pastor. I got married. I respected him. Became a pastor. I still respected him. In my journey, I'm using him as a barometer of my humility. I say, if it could ever get to a point where I feel I am better than Brother Chikudu, something has gone wrong in my spirit. Him being in my life helps to keep me in check. Oh, folks, yes. I've been in the company of the chief executive officers of big companies. I've been in the presence of the mayors. I've been in the presence of the former president. I've been in the presence of the sitting president. But even if I could be with Cyril, I want to see when the call comes from the Rajagur, do I feel like I'm much better? If I feel I'm much better, I know it's time that I repent. Do you, do you hear me? Not only him, but even the believers. If I ever get to a point where I feel I'm better than these believers, something has gone wrong. Did you hear me, folks? The last one, then you're going home. Bonola will deal with her home. Our prayer life and meditation falls off. We are not staying in, close, staying in close contact with God. That's one of the signs of spiritual erosion. In the message, why? Paragraph 79. Now to you people that wanted to renew the joy of your salvation. Somewhere you have lost the joy. Think back what you did. Did you neglect prayer meeting? Neglect reading the Bible, neglected praying at home, asking the blessing at the table. Don't do, don't never do that. Oh my, that's so unbecoming to Christians. No matter where you are, bow your head and pray. Don't be ashamed of him. Pray anyway. And if ever where you left that joy, that whatever weeded it out, with that little root of bitterness come in, that means you need as well to root it out. When you, after we have had me preaching this morning, 
You have reflected on what has been said. Some things may have made you uncomfortable. And it is by design because for you to grow, you have to be uncomfortable. When I prepared this, I asked myself many questions as a pastor. The prophet says here, how do I measure up as a pastor? Have I deviated? And if I deviated, I prayed as the Lord, be merciful to me. And you sitting there, you have a choice. You can rationalize and ask whatever, but it's up to you. But the truth had to, to be delivered. And know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God bless you, Rich Lishesh. I think this is the longest message I ever preached. We're going to just sing a worshiping song, pray, and leave. And then we pray. Maybe oh let's let's sing it. by, you'll find that he's not too busy to hear your cry before we come and pray with the door closed.
about we are going to have prayer and if you want to be remembered in prayer I certainly would want to be remembered in prayer when I prepared this message it became a mirror to me as well and I said Lord I need you be merciful to me. I've seen spiritual erosion that Satan attempted or was busy with in my life, not in your life, in my life. And that's why I want you to remember me in prayer. I don't know about you, if you have observed spiritual erosion in your life you can indicate by raising your hand so that you are remembered in prayer folks if God speaks we listen and I would invite you as a church in Lighthouse to look around, if it's not for you, to look around and say, has there been spiritual erosion in this church? If there's been, we all need to come to the altar and say, Lord, be merciful to us. Because the devil comes in a subtle way, pushes certain things in our lives and end up having a good laugh. Yes, we will preach the sermons, we'll read the quotations, we'll quote the scriptures, but he's got a good laugh. So look at her, look at him. He has laughed at me many times, but here I stand. I say, as he's passing by, I'm reaching out to touch him. There are times where I didn't love as much as I should have loved. 
There are times where I have not been as patient as I should have been. And that is why I say, Lord, where there's been a neglect on my part, forgive me, dear God. Our desire is to deliver the gospel to help God's people. Not for showmanship. Not to display our credentials. Be merciful. you can just come and pray for us. Most gracious God, Lord, we, uh, we just come to a realization this morning, Father, that you love us more than you love yourself, Father. Because you gave your own life for us, Father. And dear Lord, because of that, Lord, this morning, Father, that Lord, heaven awaits us, dear God. Lord, we have such a tremendous Father message, Lord. Lord, just didn't come yesterday, Father, but Lord, it's proven in time and time again, Father, when we look even around the world, Father, we see time-tested memorials, Father. We look at our dear prophet's life, dear God. And Father, the price that he paid, dear God, losing his wife, losing his child, dear God. And Father, so, so many, dear God, around the world, Father. We look at even Brother Ed Burskell that we even spoke about today, dear God. And Father, just so many, dear Lord, just... Lord, just a trail blazed, Father, the way for us, dear God. And, and through that, Lord, this morning we realized that we, that we neglected such a great salvation, Father. Lord, where we should be working out our own salvation, Father, as you were building faith after faith, dear God, would messages, Father, that your servant could even remember in detail, dear Lord, preaching on a certain Wednesday, dear God. Father, yet we have forgotten about those messages, dear Lord. And yet there's so much of abuse that has even gone in amongst our children, Father. But yet it was the Holy Ghost being so particular, dear God, to our personal lives, dear Father. Dear God, Lord, we must bow our heads this night, Father, ashamed, dear God. Where you said, dear God, that 
we should not be ashamed of this gospel father but in neglecting it father lord this hour and seeing the holy ghost coming down and stepping in flesh father from the beginning of the service dear lord father we're not blind dear god but we are predestinated children dear god that has stepped father from eternity dear god and step lord right in time dear father we so sensitive dear god lord for the moving of the spirit of god in our lives father lord we all coming to the altar father we're not coming lord god with father lord of form of ritual father we're not coming lord god in a way of lord churchianity father lord we coming father dear god because lord you have a future for us lord you care for our future as a church you care for our future dear lord as a as an army of believers father lord that will not compromise and rationalize father the old time gospel father lord you constantly drilling in and reminding us father dear god that if we continue this way father we will continue like the witch that the prophet spoke about father that church that was laxidaisical that church was the lady of sin father that church that became modernized that the feelings have eroded father yes. from one another dear god lord not staying on their knees father become so father dear god lord a uh, uh, a church of gossip and talk and no feelings dear lord jesus we realize that dear father otherwise you wouldn't have spoken the way you spoken this morning father there was no need for you to do that dear god if you spoke like that lord then it's on our hearts father we may have got contaminated dear god lord we may have proselyted father we may have picked up father message lord spirits dear god lord we realize father dear god that this morning father you showing mercy father the bride won't go into judgment father because she choose to be judged dear lord god she's not just speaking about an open book father she is that open book father and a sins and a laxidaisical ways father has been exposed father this morning dear god and we realize dear father that we are needy children father no matter how much of message no matter how much of predestination father no matter how much of election father no matter how much of books we read father no matter how much we stay on our knees father we in this flesh and we needy father when we say dear god lord we will go in that rapture through the spoken word of god father you said let there be and there was father and you spoke this morning father and you said let there be a bride father and mary is saying father be it unto me i'm repenting I have these things in my heart dear God. Father thou hast spoken father. Yes. Cleanse us till Lord Jesus. 
May this anointing, dear Lord God, flow like how it was from Aaron's beard, dear Father. Right down, dear God, Lord, to our feet, dear God. That our lives become thirsty, dear Lord Jesus. Not with so much of, Lord, Father, uh, 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 Lord, cliches and words and addressing holiness, Father, dear God. And showing out our message, Father, as our identification, Father. Not that way, dear Lord Jesus, but may it be the literal life of Jesus Christ, O God. Hidden away beyond the veil, Father. Not seen by the public, dear Lord Jesus, but behind our closets, Father. Interceding for one another, dear Lord God. Showing interest, Father, dear God, Lord, in the, in, the, in the unbelievers that may step into our church cycles, Father. Carrying each another burdens, Father, dear God. That's all we read in the message, Father. That's what the message is about, dear Lord God. That's what it's been telling me for the rest of my life that I've been, dear God. But what is it moved to, Father? We see it moving to another level, dear God, of criticism and and politics, dear Lord Jesus. And it's moved, Lord, to certain, such an erosion subtly, dear God, Lord. Lord, we make our spiritual things, Lord, our preference. And we begin to judge and undermine each another, dear God. And Satan sitting back and laughing, Father, at the message churches, dear Lord Jesus. May that not be here this morning, Father, amongst our believers, dear God, Lord. May we shake ourselves, dear Lord Jesus, this morning, Father, with the spoken word that's enough to even take us into the rapture this morning, Father. Dear God, help us, Lord. We need your children, Lord. And we can see your love this morning, Father, being portrayed in, in, in such wonderful words of love, dear God, of correctiveness, Father. True love is correctiveness, dear God. You're calling us to another level, dear Lord Jesus. And we want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Master. Yes, Captain. We agree this morning, Father, dear Lord. Take us this morning. I'm standing in the need, Lord. Pastor, standing in the need, Lord. The laity standing in the need this morning, Father, dear God. Purge us, dear God. Not just a word, dear God, Father, but the reality of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you've been so pounding us, Lord, for the last couple of months, dear Lord Jesus. And not even a sermon that hardly went, Father. The true baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it could only come, dear Lord, with a thorough repentance, Father. Being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having the Holy Ghost purchase and cleanse us and sanctify us, Father of God, from the worldliness, Lord, that's been crept in and disguised, Lord, even in the form of message, Father. But you exposed it this morning, dear God. Help our little ones, Father, that have got baptized, Father, never to creep into that way, dear Lord Jesus, of the subtleness, dear Lord God, of the modernism, dear Lord Jesus. But may they have that burning fire, Lord, and the sensitivity, dear God, of the moving of the Holy Ghost, dear Lord, to also go out, Lord, and get the soul saved, Father. Souls need to be saved, dear Lord. It's not, Lord, the people, but it's the acts of the Holy Ghost, Lord, 
going through those disciples, Lord, and saving souls, Father. We might not do it by preaching, dear Lord, but that lets the life of God, Father, that the world is thirsting after, dear Lord Jesus. They're so sick and fed up of the fakes, dear Lord God, that's running about, dear Lord Jesus. Oh, help us, Father. That's, that's all we can say this morning, Father. Help us, dear God. We are, we are so much in need, dear God. Dethrone, Father, Satan, Lord. Dismantle Satan, Father, dear God. And take, Lord, leadership of this church. Each brother, each sister, dear God. Take preeminence in their hearts, dear Lord Jesus. To become burning firehouses, dear Lord God. Like on a windy day, dear Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask your mercy, dear Lord Jesus. Father, take your servant in your hand this, this morning, Father, as we, we all pray for him, dear Father. I wrote him a message, Father, dear God, just last week. And I, I said to him, dear God, to me, to me, I feel it was the most inspired message, Father, that he ever preached, dear Lord. I don't know, dear God, but to me it was, Father, dear God, if God could come right down to the depths of our hearts and pick up, Lord, thoughts and things that we have done, meditated, and nobody knows, and it has to be God, Father, stepping in human flesh, Father. We have a great privilege, Father, to have a man of God that could be this way, Father, so surrender, dear God. We just commit him to thee. We know, Lord, that you also are hammering down on his life, dear God, and pounding and pounding and pounding all the dross out, dear God, because you want to see your reflection in that gold, dear Lord, in that deity, Father. Oh, may you help him, dear Lord, touch him, be with him, be with his family, dear Lord God. Rise up his children, dear God, to be soldiers of this old rugged cross, Father. We commit them to you, Father. We commit the entire service to you, Father. We just, we ask it in the wonderful and precious and the lovely name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God God bless you, sorry to keep you long. Have a blessed week. Any song, God bless you.